Thank you for downloading this podcast from Abrupt Audio. You can find more episodes of this and many other podcasts at abruptaudio.com. Subscribe today to get the next episode automatically. Coming up on this week's Pixel podcast, Android N details, five things to expect at Apple's March event, Microsoft shut down Lionhead Studios, could children be the cybersecurity's weakest link thanks to Minecraft? You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Pixel Podcast episode 6. I should just say before we get into things, you can find us on the podcast app on the iTunes store. For you Android users, you can also find us on the Stitcher app on there by searching Pixel, P-I-X-3-L, and also you can go to the Abrupt Audio website, abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. And as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Martin. Hello. And Ben. Hello. And with that, let's get into the weekly catch-up topics. The past, the present, and the future walked into a bar. It was tense. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. And our first topic comes from Quantum Break. Yes, we talked about it last week, but now a bit more controversial news. It requires an internet connection for streaming cutscenes on the PC. The idea of requiring an internet connection for single-player gaming has been controversial for Microsoft in the past, so it's a bit surprising that Microsoft will require players to have a high-speed internet connection to enjoy cutscenes in the story-heavy Quantum Break when it launches on Windows 10 next month. The Xbox One version will also be available as a full download ahead of time for those who don't want to stream. At least as a technical excuse for the requirements this time, beyond some sort of privacy-limiting security check, as narrative designer Greg Loudon told Game Informer at a recent event, the variety of branching live-action episodes played after each act of the game are too large to fit on a disc or work as a hard drive download. Now, this is obviously a little bit controversial after last week's Quantum Break news and the fact that it's not an Xbox One exclusive. Um, but what are you guys thinking of this? This is a this it's just it's not going well for Microsoft at the minute. It's really not, and it does feel like a little bit of a complete U-turn from the whole new change that Microsoft's supposed to be going through uh, from what we saw at the start of the Xbox One. Now, yeah, like we said, we all knew we had this locking, constant online checking for the Xbox One, uh, which was going to be the, the zoom of everything for Microsoft and it completely ruined, arguably, their uh, Xbox One launch. So they came out a bit late and going, look, we're changing all these things. You know, we're a different company now. We've got different people in charge. We're making better decisions. And this is a little bit concerning, even if they're sort of mentioning the fact of of stuff being online. I mean, is this going to be a trend for other games? We bloody damn hope not. Um, all I'm going to say is that, yes, there's 40 different variations of the show and there's a lot of options. And that is great for the gamer. That is, is a really good thing. It's, it's going to really maximize that replayability. However, why can't they just pick a handful of the best ones and allow them to be downloaded with the rest of the game? Just in case, I don't know, you're traveling and want to play on like a gaming laptop. Maybe your internet's died. You know, not everyone has internet that's on all the time. It's the same arguments that we had, you know, a little <laughs> while ago, the exact yep. same arguments. And to be honest with you, I'm just getting a bit tired of it. Look, 
put some stuff on the thing. If you can do it for Xbox One, why can't you do it for PC? What What is the big difference here? I mean, generally, people who are into gaming on their PC have the, the capacity generally or are prepared that games take up big spaces. GTA V takes up an enormous amount of space on the PC. People are completely aware that this is the case. And honestly, I think there's more flexibility you got in terms of storage space on the PC than you have on something like an Xbox One. So the argument doesn't even make complete sense. Martin, how do you feel? It reminds me of when Xbox One first came out. You needed internet connection, if I remember rightly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. a lot of people got upset about that. And I feel like they've gone back to their roots here with this game. It feels you need to have internet. And I don't understand. Like Ben said, not everyone has internet. Not everyone has access to even good internet, especially uh, where you're from. You said that now and then it conks out. And even back at my hometown, we don't have very good internet. So games like this, I couldn't even play. And I couldn't even fathom why they've done this. They've sort of just shot themselves in the foot. And a lot of backlash will come from this. I don't know what they're really thinking in that studio. I mean, honestly, like there's a few things that I've taken from this. One, the game itself... It seems like it's going to be groundbreaking in the sense that it's so visually pleasing and it's this it's such a story heavy based game but honestly they should have said this from or they 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 must have known this a long time ago not so close to release they should have told they should have told people this ages ago and they should have said that this is going to be the case it's like they they don't I don't know why they they feel like especially with PC that they can't that people can't like handle this especially when it's a single player game it's not a game that people are going to ha- have on their PC for a long time or all, all they're going to do they're going to download the game they're going to play the game then they're going to uninstall it that's how things work on PC gaming especially with single player games if it's a multiplayer game you're going to keep it on there for a while but for a single player game once you've played it a couple of times if there's like multiple storylines you want to play it a couple of times that's fine but i don't know why they're not giving people the option to download them if they can. Like, I, I can, I can, I just don't get it. Edson, I agree with you, and not to ramble on this uh, uh, too much further, but I, to be honest with you, I'm more just disappointed, and I think a lot of PC games are going to just be disappointed that yeah. uh, a game which I think could be a fantastic game. I first saw um, some live gameplay in person uh, two Euro games ago. We They took sat in a room, and we were shown uh, what the game had to offer, and I was blown away, and especially the developers were seem really passionate about it, talking about what they managed to achieve in that game is a real feat, and I think that maybe either, you know, they've been too ambitious and Microsoft are trying to have to find a way to make this work, or Microsoft have been trying to, you know, make the game, you know, meet up to the expectation and just gone overboard with it. Something's happened somewhere, which has left them in this situation where they've had no option, but to kind of go this down this route but I think this could have been saved a lot earlier and it's a shame I hope this isn't a bad sign for the game when it launches hopefully some further silly mistakes aren't made between now and the launch I hope it is a good game like I said I've seen some really nice things about it generally so I guess we're gonna have to wait and see but uh, hopefully nothing else comes out about the game between now and launch So our second topic is all to do with Android N and I have for you a rough list of things which is already better in Android N than we saw in Marshmallow. Now, I do want to start off by saying that I'm a little bit surprised that Android N is already kind of in the works or let's say out there for developers to use. Uh, If you guys remember, it's been less than a year since Marshmallow was announced. Literally, May last year was when it was announced. So we are under a year. And for a platform which is already fairly fragmented, this is a little bit worrying, although there are some cool features. So let's go through them. The first one is split screen. Uh, It showed up in uh, a preview for Marshmallow, but it was uh, never actually 
uh, on the final version. So here we are, split screen. You can have uh, an app, either landscape or portrait, and have them split between the screen and basically do what's considered proper multitasking, which is quite cool. Uh, notifications are far more powerful. You can actually reply to notifications in the notification drawer. You don't have to click on them and be taken to the app. You can also then, once you've replied to them, keep the notification there for further reminder later. You've got better tweakable UI settings. You can go into more detail and actually on some of the options, especially in the notification drawer, you can actually see rather than just the Wi-Fi symbol, you can see what Wi-Fi network you're connected to and what Bluetooth stuff you're connected to, rather than, like I said, just the icons. There is now a night mode, which gives you a better outlook of the UI. It makes it a bit more tuned for the dark. Some people like using night mode all the time. There are various uh, tweaks for websites, such as YouTube and Twitch, which lets you do this. There's better DPI scaling. So if you are someone who's uh, hard of sight and uh, you want something to, to be a lot bigger, there's much better tweaking and things like that. And the things that we've seen on iOS before, such as emergency information. When someone tries to use your phone when it's locked, they can now hit the emergency button at the bottom, which provides a dialer for calling 911-999 in the UK or another emergency contact. This is nice to see. And there are other uh, loads of other stuff, including things like Alt-Tab is now a thing in Android for quick app switching. And there is a built-in power user again. So Edson, um, some nice new features here. Do you agree maybe that um, they're rushing the next one out a bit too soon? I mean, yeah, honestly, they are. But as you were saying, like, there's how many more of these features? Because you said at the start, like, split screen is is one that was showed in Marshmallow. Like, were many of these other features shown in Marshmallow? There is a couple that have, that have been rumored to come in before and that have been demoed before, but never shown. So right. almost, I would say that maybe N is what Marshmallow should have been. And this is why Android are sort of rushing out, wanting us to forget Marshmallow quite quickly. Because it wasn't successful. For yeah, it may have not have been successful, but why not? There's, there's many things that haven't been successful, but why not? like take all of these features and add it to can't they still brand this as marshmallow but have it as like the next version of it like an update and yeah, essentially so. re replace marshmallow almost like itself. you know windows 8.1 or something exactly like, that. like the, there's many there's many examples like in obviously that's that's a perfect example like windows 8 so bad for so many people in one of the most hated uh like in recent years and then they come out with windows 8.1 and it seems to fix and 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 win back a lot of people why don't they they acknowledge that they've they've done not wrong but like they've there's not many people that have been that like marshmallow i don't think so it's like i don't know why they don't i don't know make this as point point one or marshmallow point two or whatever like whatever you call it but i don't know why they don't uh, have this as an update rather than a brand new a brand new system you sort of answered your own question there edson you said i don't know why but you said not many people liked marshmallow and i think they need to rebrand it rename it and i think that's why it's not going to be an add-on and it's definitely like what we've just said it n is going to be what marshmallow should have been and we've all been there we've all had our faults with marshmallow if you're an android user and i feel like having an n it's a new lease of life it's a way to say yeah this is an update but cheekily say it's something new and spontaneous and something different and i feel like it's not too early i think they've cut their losses and thought we need to get something better out there because other consumers and other like products are going to overtake them. They need to keep developing, and I think this is definitely what Marshmallow should have been. But honestly, like the like okay, like you can you can say that, but the the whole like I I don't get why companies don't acknowledge that they were wrong. Why why they why they make something new and then just like bring that out because they know they were wrong like I, I have a big problem with companies that don't acknowledge stuff like that like if you've done something wrong if people aren't enjoying your product or anything like that and you need to update you need to change something 
acknowledge it. That's that's the that's the biggest thing for me. If a company can acknowledge that they've done wrong and publicly say it, that is so big for me. And I don't like honestly, if they did that and then they brand like even if they did that and then they said, Oh, we're gonna bring this out, this is what we're branding it as as N, that would have been a bigger thing for me. Like, but it's the fact that they they're not acknowledging what they did wrong and they're just bringing out something new, trying to fix it. Yeah, I agree with you, Edson, in a lot of ways. And for me also, it's that I think Android really does need to look at itself uh, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, especially in the, the way it brings out versions and the way those versions gets to the general public that own Android phones. I think there is such a big fragmentation. There are people who are on, are on several older versions of Android, which will never be able to see the later versions, which I think personally coming from an iOS platform where, you know, even iPhone 4Ss, you know, to this day or 5s or whatever, still get the latest updates. I think it's a little bit concerned and, you know, there was a uh, security post a while ago um, by experts saying how really unsecure Android is only in terms of the fact that people aren't getting these latest security updates. So I feel that N is basically making the problem a little bit worse. Uh, whereas I think uh, Android and Google as a whole need to really talk with all these other companies such as Samsung um, in ways that they can sort of make a platform which is better for everyone in terms of uh, getting the latest features, but more importantly, getting the latest security updates as well. But we'll welcome N in the sense that there are features there that people have always wanted. And uh, we'll have to see how things pan out. We're just in the developer previews at the moment, people testing out uh, on their redundant phones to see if it's any good. But uh, we'll see when it comes to launch just what features that we don't know about yet will be in the latest version. Okay, our next topic is Six Flags Entertainment Corporation and Samsung Electronics America recently announced a partnership to launch the first VR roller coaster, which names Samsung as the first official technology partner of the world's largest regional theme park company. The partnership will showcase the debut of the groundbreaking experiences coming to nine Six Flags theme park, North America's first virtual reality VR for short roller coaster using Samsung Gear VR powered by Oculus. The Samsung VR roller coaster was recently shown at the mobile World Congress in Barcelona. So what does this all mean for the experience? Well, visitors will still physically go on a moving roller coaster, but the VR headset provides a hyper reality. For example, riders may be teleported to a future and into other situations. John Duffy, Six Flags president of, and CEO, has this to say, it's remarkable technology is definite game changer for theme park riders and everything our brand stands for, delivering the most thrilling and innovative riders and attractions. The partnership is a strange one in, in my thought. However, it's great and it is groundbreaking for VR technology. Who knows where this might step up? However, the person who wrote this article that I'm reading off is uh, Kate Lawrence. She said her experiences were slightly blurry due to uh, her glass wearing her glasses, but without them, she couldn't see anything at all. So maybe adding a lens to the situation might improve uh, the VR, but I'm gonna throw this over to Ben. Ben, what do you think of the VR roller coasters? To be honest with you, I do believe it's a bit of a gimmick. At first, I honestly didn't think they were actually going on a physical roller coaster. So to understand they're on a physical roller coaster at least makes it a tiny bit better. But I do think that they could have like really have gone all out and have made a proper VR experience powered by like a, a mini PC, maybe done something with Intel and really gone out there and, and done something new and exciting. And I feel this just isn't that exciting. It really doesn't say much to me. It doesn't make me want to go, if there was one that's in the UK, it would just make me actually want to go and experience this. 
you know that if it's powered by a phone, the graphics can be very limited. For me, it is almost a deal breaker straight away. I mean, if I'm looking at something that's pretty pixelated and it looks like I'm, you know, in a video game in the 90s, I don't know if I really want to sort of be in that sort of experience. Also, the question for me is, is that motion sickness. I, I feel like people, uh, even the tiniest bit susceptible motion sickness might get a bit sick on this sort of thing. Um, I think VR generally can be fairly motion sick enduring um, without being on a roller coaster at the same time. So it would be interesting to see that. I think the graphics, like I said, I, I think that's a big off put for me. I think it really is just a stunt for Samsung to sell their phones and their VR headsets and all those sort of stuff. But if they had like maybe little small PCs that they'd mounted under the seats and maybe like channeled it up to, to the glasses, I think that'd be absolutely amazing. I would love to see that. I think uh, another company can really top this and make a far better VR roller coaster or a VR sort of like a theme park experience. It doesn't necessarily have to be a typical roller coaster. It could be something like indoors, like that goes through these different worlds and things like that. That would be really cool. Or even when you've been on these 4D experiences where the seats sort of move and things like that, but actually you're not going anywhere. I think that would work brilliantly with VR, um, especially if everyone's got the same sort of experience where they've been taken around somewhere and you you know, you know got you can smell all these different things to, to really back up the VR experience and the things moving and things like that. I think that personally, that would be an amazing experience rather than just a roller coaster with a gimmick attached to it. That's how I see it anyway. I mean, honestly, VR for me, it's... It's not something that I've I've ever been too interested in. Like I've followed it a little bit. It's not been something that like I've been so like keeping up with like a, a lot. But this is something that that could turn out to be good. That the whole the VR experience in in sort of amusement parks in in theme parks and stuff like that. I can see that working. I don't see it working for for in this instant. This doesn't seem. I like like Ben says. It seems a little bit of a gimmick, but. I honestly think that like this whole thing could could be a, a like the first step in a longer road for, for for VR in theme parks in sort of entertainment and stuff like that. Um, a lot more than just what it seems like VR has been pushing at the minute, which is just gaming. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's there's more for VR to be had. Like I said, I think there is a, a really cool experience to be had uh, in the theme park world with it. And I think that something new and innovative needs to be created to go alongside it. Yeah. Rather than going, here's a roller coaster, here's a VR headset, <laughs> smack them together. This is a new experience. I think, honestly, companies need to get a bit more creative in order to really capture the attention and the imagination of uh, the general public. So uh, I'd be interested to see uh, a company that wants to rival Six Flags and come up with something better. And I think there will be, especially uh, when you talk about the you know the giants such as Disney and the things yeah. that they can do with their parks and stuff. I think they'll come up with something that will blow the, uh, the socks off Six Flags. So it's about this time of year that we expect Apple to come out with some new announcements. And they are living up to expectation by announcing their latest event called the Special Event. Now, anyone who has been paying any attention to the Apple world recently have known of the iPhone SE, a smaller very much like the iPhone 5 size device, which is heavily rumored to be announced by Apple uh, with just the latest specs updated in it. This is called back to the people who still actually do prefer the smaller iPhones of yesteryear and would like something with a bit more kick inside. 
now. This could just be, you know, a coincidence that, you know, it's the iPhone SE that's rumored and they've called the event um, SE for special events rather than special edition. But, you know, this is one of the things that we might expect to see at the event. The event is happening on Monday, March the 21st. And uh, there are a few things more that is expected to be announced rather than just an iPhone. We are expected to get a smaller version of the iPad Pro, which some people would argue would just be a normal iPad. However, the thing that makes the iPad Pro special is the specs inside. We're expecting to get a device which has the same sort of specs as the iPad Pro, but just a little bit more easier to travel with you as uh, the iPad Pro is a little bit unwieldy to say the best. We're also expected to get some new Apple watch bands as uh, 9 to 5 Mac reports that Apple's plans to show new color options and potential bands made of new materials or in a partnership with additional high fashion brands uh, as it did with Hermes. Uh, one possible inclusion, a black version of the Milanese loop to match the space black watch. So this is all definitely possible. Uh, but not too exciting. And there is also rumors of possibly talks about the new iOS update and what we'll see in that. It doesn't normally look like the time of year that Apple would announce something like this, uh, but you never know. There might be a major update. Apple don't always play to the rules with things, so it'd be cool to see what they can bring with that. And also, I think it would be very fitting for them to make at least some talk about the whole encryption talk, maybe make some digs towards the FBI. Apple do like to make digs at other companies and other organizations during their press call talks, during their press talks. So... Uh, a talk about the encryption talk might be something that we'll see. And finally, we probably won't see anything to do with anything to do with uh, MacBooks or OS X. They usually do a separate talk later on in the year to do with everything Mac related. There have been some rumors about what the next iPhone is going to look like and things like that. I don't expect them to talk about this. I think it's just going to be a few iterations, uh, maybe a couple of little announcements, but nothing too great I'm expecting from the event. Uh, Edson, do you agree with me? Yeah, nothing too, like you say, it's later on in the year when we hear about the the bigger features the about the Macs, about the MacBooks, about the actual, what the new iPhone's going to be. Um, so it's a little bit, there's a few interesting things here. Like I, I am kind of interested in a few of these things. Um, but over recent years, I have been slowly falling out of love with Apple. Like, and I did, I did enjoy some of their products, and and, and me being a graphic designer, like I did, I did use, I still do use use their products. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's not, it's nothing too, it's not really grabbing me too much. Like the the, the special edition um, that's rumored, the special edition iPhone, um, it may be something that that may bring a few people back to the brand because, like you say, over recent years, the iPhone's just been getting bigger and bigger. Um, and there are a lot of people that I, I feel like it's it's weird because the, the the phone industry in general just goes from it goes from we we have these big phones and then they they get bigger and bigger and bigger and then they get smaller and smaller and smaller and then they just go back back through that trend like one like straight away they go straight back to big again straight back to small straight back to big straight back to small so it's like it's I don't know like and there are people that always prefer their smaller phones and there are people that always prefer the bigger phones and the people that have preferred the smaller phones haven't really had had many phones that they've 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 liked from apple in recent years because it's just been getting bigger and bigger so i think there isn't going to be massive announcements at the iphone uh, or apple general event uh, some iterations some updates i would like to hear some stuff from ios personally to see where they go with that next i think it has got a little bit stale recently there hasn't been too many big announcements in that i'd like to see them completely throw something out the uh, at the ballpark you know come with something that we never would expect however I kind of see that not happening. That's more me wishful yeah, that thinking. Yeah, ain't going to happen. That ain't yeah. going to happen. <laughs> wishful thinking, but we never know. We'll update you, of course, when they do announce stuff at the event, which is taking place on March the 21st. 
And our final topic comes from Microsoft. Now this is very, very, very controversial. Uh, Lionhead Studios, the creators of Fable Legends, has shut down along with Danish Press Play Studios, which is the makers of Max The Curse of the Brotherhood. Microsoft is to close Lionhead Studios having already made the decision to cancel development of Fable Legends. Microsoft Studios Europe General Manager Hamo Lemke has announced, after much consideration we've decided to cease development of Fable Legends and are in discussions with employees about the proposed closure of Lionhead Studios in the UK, stated Lemke in a post on Xbox Wire. Microsoft will obviously also shut down Press Play Studios in Denmark and cease development of Project Knoxville. The Danish studio is best known for Max Curse of the Brotherhood. These have been tough decisions and we have not made them lightly, nor are they a reflection on those development teams. We are incredibly fortunate to have the talent, creativity and commitment of the people at these studios, added Lemke. The Lionhead Studios team has delighted millions of fans with the Fable series over the past decade. Pressplay imbued the industry with a unique creative spirit behind the games like Max, The Curse of the Brotherhood and Kalimba which both captured passionate fans. These changes are taking effect as Microsoft Studios continues to focus its investments and development on the games and franchises that fans find most exciting and want to play. Now, this is not where this, this story ends. PlayStation have come out and they are holding a recruitment event in Guildford, which is where, where Lionhead Studios is based in the UK, on Monday the 14th of March. Now this is obviously something that um, they've they've decided to do. We see this a lot. A few companies in the past have shut down a few uh, a few game development companies have have had funding from from various like ways, and they've 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 ceased funding and they've had to essentially shut down and 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 close these companies. And we've seen other companies pick those people up, and it's a good PR move for them. Obviously, PlayStation are jumping on the bandwagon here, but there is there is a lot of there is a lot more to this than than people may understand. It's like because to me, my, I don't know, Microsoft is, I, I, I feel like they're, they're focusing more on the, the things that they shouldn't be focusing on when they've got a company or a, a game development team that has created one of their most successful franchises in recent years, so close to the release of the next game, Fable Legends, which was extremely hyped. It was it was meant to be the, the game that... The, basically brought the series back to life they're so close to the release they cease funding they stop development for the game the game is now cancelled and they've not only annoyed so many fans they've lost a full development team a development team that had that were held in such high respects from the rest of the game industry it's it's honestly a, a shocking move and playstation have done good they've 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 jumped on the pr move what are you guys thinking of this i think this is a really good example of the way microsoft had a really bad pr time with the the letting go of lionhead and playstation have benefited massively from it you know it was uh, quick thinking from playstation to go look we can get some really good uh, props out of this from really good uh, PR out of this and uh, let's post a recruitment event. It won't take us much to do it. You know, Guildford is a, a very big area for games development. So it's easy for PlayStation to be able to set something up there. They have their own studios there as well. And, uh, you know, not only are they going to give people who are out of a job a chance to, to have a job again, which is fantastic. And I massively applaud them for that. They're also at the same time getting uh, a big thumbs up from everyone in the games industry and the players themselves who were uh, 
who were probably very saddened by the news of one of their favorite franchises being basically um, pulled the plug uh, from taking the rug away from under their feet by Microsoft. And uh, I think uh, it's going to be fairly likely that PlayStation will create with the the, the guys they've recruited a very similar game um, to to Fable. And I think it's very, very possible that's going to happen. So uh, yeah, yet again, I mean, like we've said earlier in the podcast, it almost seems that Microsoft is, is uh, going back to their old uh, bad PR ways, which is not great at all. And PlayStation seem to be uh, made out as the, uh, you know, as the nice people, the nice guys. And uh, it's proven to be very successful than before. And I think it's going to be successful for them again. So I wish the best to the people that get recruited. And obviously, uh, the, as of recording this, um, the, the, the session hasn't happened. But when the podcast goes out, the session has happened. So when you're listening to this, hopefully it's gone well. Um, if we do have an update on the next podcast, we'll of course keep that updated. Um, you know, I know quite a few people who work in in the the games industry and i know it can be really um tough uh, to to make a mark in there so uh, i'm sure uh, it's going to be very very appreciated that uh, playstation are putting a, a friendly hand out to help those guys who uh, all of a sudden lost their job after working very hard on a game for a very long time i think uh, i think microsoft have lost uh, quite a quite a few fans and quite a, and the respect generally of the industry as well from you know last minute just pulling the rug under their feet for no reason for a, especially for a game company that has been by their side for such a long yep. long time okay i'm going to uh, put my neck out here and i'd oh, say gosh. <laughs> i do love fable i fell in love with uh, the third one and i went back to play them all However, let's face it, Fable Legends, for me, it just wasn't the Fable that I fell in love with. And also, I think it was Fable Journey. It was terrible. You had to use the Kinect. It had very so-so reviews. And I feel like Microsoft realized that with Legends added on, it wasn't what people wanted. It wasn't, for me, this is, sorry, it wasn't what I wanted. And a lot of my friends back home said it wasn't what they wanted. And I feel like they sort of felt, we're going to cut our losses here. I will say it is sad to hear that um, Lionhead Studios have gone from Microsoft partnership. But I, and I'm glad that Sony, uh, PlayStation sorry, are picking them up. And hopefully they'll p- uh, produce better content. And that's the best way I can put it. Because I, I just wasn't impressed with the last two games they've produced. So obviously, like I need to touch up on that a little bit. You saw with the companies that Microsoft do sort of throw quite a bit of funding into, like Lionhead, um, when the Kinect got announced, when um, they were pushing all of these new features on the Xbox, they tried to, you saw it in all of the companies that they were actually heavily invested in, that suddenly that's what their their game their their games were were going to have. And it, it felt like, I don't know, Microsoft were pushing that on them. Um yeah, so it's it's honestly not. I don't think that it's it's the choice of Fable. I think given the 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 actual choice, I honestly think they wouldn't have done that. And you saw obviously with the the, the Fable Legend, the uh, no the, the Fable Anniversary, the remake. You've seen obviously with Fable Legends. I think that was going to go. I don't know a little bit more back to the old ways of Fable. And I honestly think like with if Sony like the the best thing that Sony could do here is pick up the majority of this team because. In recent years, that that style of game, what the old Fable used to be, they've never really had that on the PlayStation. The, the ports for, for games like Fallout and Oblivion have been horrendous on the PlayStation compared to the Xbox, even though obviously it's more of a PC game. They've been horrendous on the PlayStation. So the, the PlayStation community have never really had a game like this. So the best thing they can do is pick up a, a mass amount of these 
these people that are now looking for jobs and, and say, look, what do you what do you guys want to create? We need a game like Fable, that sort of like experience get to it and i honestly think like it's going to be interesting to see in recent like in the next couple of years what comes from this where they where they go to and 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 what sort of sony do with these i really hope they pick a majority of these people up and i i really hope that that this is something that will will really help playstation in the future and if any of you guys do want to check out more on these topics, you can check out the notes on the Abrupt Audio website, abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel. And with that ends our weekly catch up. To continue listening to the podcast, enter any 11 digit prime number after the beep. Beep. Okay, so our main topic is a bit of an interesting one. It was an article I stumbled across on bbc.co.uk all about how kids could be the gateway for malicious extras as called in the article and obviously if you're going to target kids you're gonna to have to target one of the most popular things kids do on pcs these days and that's play minecraft could your children be your weak link when it comes to home security one of mine almost was thanks to minecraft now this is the guy that wrote the article he's saying that one of his boys wanted to install a mod for it and needed his dad to approve it and as he's paranoid about what runs on the main computer he oversaw the whole process at first it looked fine there are thousands of mods and add-ons as we all know from microsoft that make a variety of changes to the game some add new blocks others change the way it looks and some turn it into an entirely different game the one that the kid wanted to uh, install was quite hard to find despite it being popular amongst friends uh, when he found it um, the website that it was on was a little bit sure and the dad was a bit wary that the person that they were actually getting the mod from was the person who actually created it and he was suspicious the site was festooned with buttons that looked like they would start the download but instead led to dead ends particularly by links to download accelerators and other utilities that wasn't wanted grubby ads blinked alongside and uh, you know he's not sure about mature russian women that were keen to meet his 12 year old son and i think this is uh, a bit of an interesting article which is why i wanted to bring it up as our main discussion point minecraft is a game very popular by kids and obviously the modern community is massive with that so the kids are going to want to download uh, mod and i think anyone who's been around the internet downloading stuff knows that a lot of these download sites are filled with ways to guide you away from actually getting what you want and taking you to ads and downloading other software that maybe is even named the thing that you're looking for but if you're not very uh well tuned into the way things work you might end up installing some crap onto your computer and even worse risking your whole security Security. So I think it is a bit of a worry considering that Minecraft on PC hasn't got a store, a safe place for kids to get hold of these sort of things. And maybe this is a sign that there should be a call for a central place which is ran by Microsoft, the new owners of Minecraft, that means that you know these young kids can install things safely on the computer and the parents don't have to worry that their kids... Uh, not, I think not only downloading things that are inappropriate for the computer, but also, you know, these ads a lot, on this, a lot of the time on these download sites are far from appropriate for kids of a younger age. You know, like you said there, you know, the whole Russian women thing. You don't want your like eight year old kid to be seeing that. But does this bring up a different argument that really, um, you know, the kids shouldn't be installing things without the parents doing it for them instead? Or do we just need a safer place for kids to do this sort of thing? Guys, what do you think? Now, honestly, this is something that's that's definitely very apparent with me. That because I I'm I'm very heavily invested in in Minecraft in the sort of like the the online space of this. Um, the the thing that I'm a little bit shocked about in this is that 
Now, obviously, like we can talk about the the whole Minecraft modding API. This is something that has been uh, that has been talked about for many, many years. It's been hinted at by Mojang um, and 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 by many people that work in at, at that company that a modding API is something they've always wanted. But it's one of the most difficult things that they can do because of the 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 nature of the game, because of how it's made, how it was coded, how it was created. It's something that honestly they need to pretty much completely rewrite the game and they are working on that they've been working on that for the past couple of years but since obviously because modding is such a big thing in minecraft there's there's been very there's been a lot of like um a, a lot of external um like modding apis like forge like these these other things and i'm a little bit shocked at how they managed to get on these websites because i i've used forge i've used these other these websites and there's there's probably like five or six very trusted websites that are always the top if you're searching for a mod there's always that every mod in minecraft if it's like if it's been downloaded by a few people it's on one of these like top websites and if you go on those websites they are like proper they, there's no way that you can accidentally download something you shouldn't there's like there's I, I would say there's about five or six ways to get any of the big mods any of the big things or plugins or or, or client like I don't know changes or anything like that um there's there's many many websites where you can get these things and they're all trusted that they're all they're all very good so i'm a little bit shocked that this person i don't know what he was like i'm interested to know what what he was downloading because i'd probably understand what he was downloading and, and where he was downloading it from but i don't actually know like i don't actually know how he how they managed to do this and how they managed to get on their website this this weird like i, I don't know like it's it I think this article pretty much came from one person that's, I don't know, that's a little bit uneducated about the internet and, and is a little bit um, not understanding where they can get things from because there's many, many ways where, especially like you say, because Minecraft is something that over the years, like it's it's so big in kids and it's so big in like kids wanting to like have the new things, have the mods, have the, the, the updates. I don't know how they've actually managed to to do this like I, I it's just a little bit un, like i don't know it's it's weird yeah i i kind of agree with you in a lot of ways but uh, maybe this is a call for parents to be a bit more active and looking into these things and sort of you know almost making it an activity that they do with their kids i mean you know minecraft is accepted in a lot of communities now it's accepted in schools it's used everywhere so i think it wouldn't take much you know for a for a parent to be like look i'm i'm letting you play minecraft but i want to be involved in this you know if you want to down this mod let's let's do it together let's find these websites you know and, and let's you know look yeah. at them together yeah. and i think make it a bit more of a of a parent child thing rather than often which we see which is quite sad is that you've got parents who they think it's too complicated to get involved they'd rather yep. just let their kid do it and you know if something happens then it happens sort of thing and just let their kids do whatever they want sort of thing which i think is a really bad practice i mean you know especially as we go further further down the line you know kids are getting more involved in technology and the internet and things like this it's never going to go away we aren't going anywhere we're in the digital age and i think it's about time that some parents especially should just get more involved and, and actually have these discussions with their kids and and then you know find these safe websites and maybe bookmark them and make it part of a, a thing where you know the kids understand that if they use these websites they're fine but they shouldn't be searching elsewhere and, and vice versa uh, martin do you have anything to add well yeah definitely i have a few things to add uh firstly on to uh edson thing where he said about um I would like to know where he got all of these uh, ads and stuff. So would I. But it's also with this article, it's always the big ones that, like, uh, it targets people who aren't really tech savvy, should we say. And so it always like goes, oh, God, I should go see what my son's doing or daughter if they're on Minecraft. Which I think, uh, like we've uh, already said, which you should sort of monitor. I feel like no matter what sort of your level of tech 
uh, knowledge is. You should sort of monitor your child because you never know what's going to happen and you never know what they're really uh, doing. So you, I think um, it helps you understand the internet more and you understand how this sort of pr these problems can be fixed as well as how they happened. As well as it just goes without saying, um, maybe with mods and stuff, maybe you add like a password or something so your child has to come to you straight away. He's just not doing it or she's not doing it just willy-nilly. And also I'd just say, just be smart with it. That's probably the underlying message that I have to say with it. There are three kinds of people, those who can count and those who can't. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. So our second topic leading into Versus is binge watching Netflix might make you miserable. So the next time you load up Netflix for a weekend of binge watching, think again, it could make you miserable. This is according to a new research from the University of Toledo, which describes binge watching as a growing public health concern that needs to be addressed. Well, I'm going to shoot on into Versus with this week, Edson and Ben battling it out. So, last week, Ben won, controversially, which was... Uh... <laughs> You're still going on about that. <laughs> yeah, still a bit bitter, but obviously you can battle for for and against. So, which one would you prefer in this topic? Now, I've got to think almost what's going to make Edson be in the, the sort of worst half of it, so... I think you're going to be surprised. Mm. I'm going to say that binge-watching Netflix makes you more miserable, so I'm going to go with... a. Four. Four. Yeah, I'm going to go with four. Okay, okay so uh, I will go with heads. Why not? It's tails. Ah, oh, I knew that was going to happen. I almost went tails as well. I was on the cusp of saying tails. Why did I? Why did I go? To, why did I? Okay, Edson, as the challenger, you'll be going first. Mm -hmm. um, I'll count you down and you have 30 seconds to give your argument. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay, so Netflix, obviously, it's when you binge watch, it's something that you you normally do and you, you, you do it by yourself or you, you do it with a friend or something like that. And it's it's something that is it's not very good for your health. You, you sit there, you watch loads and loads of things. And with the Netflix coming up next in 10, sec 10 seconds or something, it's very easy to get into and you can you can waste your day. You can you can feel a little bit out of place and I, it, it's not good for you. It's definitely not good for your health. And I don't think it's good for anyone that that does do it. I don't think I did good so there. Quickly. It does. Quickly. That was the like in recent weeks. I've I've not been too bad with it, but that was the one that like. Oh. Yeah, I could see we're struggling, but I could see where you're going from. Uh, yeah, but we're gonna shoot straight over to Ben. Ben, you are against oh, the no. statement. Three, two, one. Putting the blame to something like Netflix is kind of like putting, like saying that, you know, uh, playing a violent video game makes you more violent. It's not how it works. If you stay indoors and do any activity, you will be more likely to be miserable. If you just stay indoors and lie in bed, if you're just playing video games all day, if you're knitting all day, just staying indoors with the curtain closed, you're going to be miserable. So at least with Netflix, you get some entertainment and there's some really funny shows and things like that. But anything in moderation is always going to be fine. So I think the argument saying Netflix makes you miserable just isn't really a thing. And uh, yeah, vote for me. And we're a second to spare. Well done. Okay. Well, Vote for me. <laughs> okay. I'm what is this? <laughs> I'm just going to quickly round it up what I, what I got from each other's argument with Ben's. Obviously, he's just saying you should balance out your life and not just sit and lay about doing one activity, sort of go outside, enjoy. And with Edson, I said, like, it's Netflix's fault, which I got from it, saying with the counter time and down. Yeah, it honestly is, yeah. Yeah. Um... See, I've got to put aside what I feel about uh, Netflix, and I feel like the 
reluctantly, I should say, because he's catching up. I'm going to go with Ben this week. Yes! <laughs> so what's the scores now? Because I've, I've completely it lost is. that. I've got three, I believe. I've got... You must have three. Three now. And I've got one. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. This is going to be really tense as well because it's going to be me now, me and Martin now. We're both tied. So I think next week's going to be an extremely interesting one. So anyone listening right now, you're going to want to listen next week. That's for sure. Edson, I'll subscribe to your channel and watch your, uh, uh, your Twitch every day if you vote for me next week. Ooh. Just saying. Any counter offer, Ben? No, because I, I don't believe in that. I'm better than that. All right, I know who's winning next week then. Okay. <laughs> ben. <laughs> Caps Lock, preventing logging since 1980. Pixel Podcast. All right, after Ben on his moral high ground, um, very much there. We're, we're going to end uh, this week's this week's podcast. Hopefully everyone has enjoyed episode six. Um, and I should just quickly state before we finish, um, all the multiple ways you can watch this, you can go to the abruptaudio.com website, abruptaudio.com forward slash pixel, P-I-X-3-L. You can also find us on the podcast app on the iTunes store, and you can also find us on the Stitcher app for you Android users. I've got to say a big thank you to Ben this week. Hello and goodbye. Hello and goodbye. And a big thank you to Martin this week. Thank you and goodbye. All right, you two, you're both saying weird things. To, but anyway, thank you so much for watching this week's podcast. If you have enjoyed this, please, please show it some love on any of the platforms that you are, that you are watching or listening. Um, and yes, we'll see you next week for episode seven. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Pixel Podcast. Thank you and good night. Or as they say in gamer speak, G-G-N-O-R-E. Seriously, Edson, um, you know, I've known you for a long time, so if you don't vote for me, you know, next time, then... Um, oh, now it's coming out. Yeah, well, I now mean, it's know, coming got, out. Ah, well, oh, right, I'm okay. not going to talk about it on the podcast. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, you got to... Edson, come on. I thought we were friends. We've been friends for years. Years, well, here, Edson. I, I, I'm just not happy because it's it's going to be... The, one person's going to be on four... One person's going to be on three, and I'm still two behind Edson, if you the closest me, person next week. The next week when uh, me and I'm you picking myself next afterwards. week. I don't care. I'm getting a point next week. You two aren't. I'm the one that's giving the point out. I'm giving it to myself. You vote for me, and when it's me versus you, I'll uh, sabotage myself so you can get some points. And then I can just keep picking for you. Mm. Ah, we can, can I just some... say, if I'm not happy the way things work, I do edit the podcast. So just, just saying. Like, you know. We'll talk later, Edson. Yeah. It'd be, instead of like, oh, Martin would it be like, and Ben. <laughs> Stop Ben. <laughs> no, this is true. Right. I'll edit for now on. No. Okay. You <laughs> want someone who actually can edit. Oh. Do it. Oh. That's what I'm saying. Oh, shit. Nah, not having that. Nah, I'm gone. <laughs> F*** this. Oh, God. Martin, Martin is literally just unplugged his headset and walked off. <laughs>